Welcome back to How to Be a Better DM. I'm your host, Justin Lewis, here with my brother-in-arms, Tanner Whalen, and today mm -hmm. we are being joined by a very special guest, Alex Aries. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, we'll let him introduce himself a little bit in a second. The goal of today's show is to help you tell better stories as you DM sessions of D&D, and obviously we want to immerse ourselves in the story, and you want your players to have an extremely positive effect. But to immerse yourself or to have them immerse them, uh, it requires a lot of work. Uh, and, and really, how do you do that? So that's the question we're going to talk about today with Alex. So just to get started, Alex, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, like you said, I'm Alex Aries. Uh, I'm the co-founder of Gameplay Candles. It's a scented candle company with scents designed for D&D tabletop adventures. Uh, I've been a DM of 5th edition adventures since 2014. Um, and my day job is that of a manufacturing engineer. So whenever I'm producing widgets to sell, uh, I feel right at home. At least as much there as I do at, around the gaming table. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's like a, that's like a perfect match, it, it, it feels like. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a very natural evolution. Uh, well, like I said, our topic today is immersion. And so the first question I have, and obviously Tanner has a, you know, a full load of questions on his own. And if you have any questions that you'd like us to talk about, feel free to bring up. But the first question I have is where do you start when trying to create more immersion for your players? Gosh, yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, there's no single prong in the, the front, as it were, uh, around your gaming table. But I do like to design um, my immersion with my players in mind. And, uh, you know, I think as a good DM, you're there to sort of chaperone and curate a, an experience in a, in a story um, that everyone can contribute to. But um, being a DM, you have this unique opportunity to bring a little extra pizzazz to the table. So I look at the players and, and look at their interests and their characters, and uh, I think that's a great place to start. Awesome. Uh, could you, this might be a little bit hard off the top of your head, but do you have any examples to kind of show the audience a little bit? Uh, oh, well, show? Um, I mean, I could... Uh... Well, sorry, not... <laughs> You know, uh, metaphorically show Met the audience God. through our words. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, well, uh, you know, we have um, a, a barbarian in the in one of my campaigns that I had previously DM'd, and um, part of their backstory involved a very specific des description of their um, their life on the plains as a nomad uh, with their nomadic tribe, and um, uh, I found a food recipe. Uh, that, you know, might be considered that of uh, nomadic peoples. You know, it's like a flatbread, so there's no leavening or anything like that. So, oh, great. Um, yeah, just sort of, I, I made that. I, I'd like to cook a lot. I'm a bit of a gourmand. Um, but uh, I made that and just called it, you know, T Tara's flatbread or whatever. And that mm -hmm. was her character's name, you know. So, um, yeah, it's just sort of uh, incorporating her character into into the night as a whole. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's really cool. I, I love that yeah. especially because I think that nowadays, I don't know, uh, people kind of expect snacks at a lot of the gaming, uh, like anytime they come to the table for a mm -hmm. session. But we always think, oh, what's easy? You know, just some snacks from the store, you know, mass mm -hmm. produced Doritos or whatever else it is, right? Yeah. But it's like, hey, and some people take a the step further where they actually make like desserts or snacks. And I mm -hmm. love that you didn't just be like, hey, I bake bread, 
enjoy <laughs> but like <laughs> you were like hey here's uh they're from a nomadic tribe uh, like this yeah. is what they'd be eating let's bring you in yeah i mean it, and you can even you you know, you can even um, take those Doritos and just pour them into a bowl and call it something on brand for your adventure. And that exactly. just creates an extra memory point that makes the night sort of stand out. It's true. Hmm. You know, like yep. the, I think that you could take anything and, and it'd be funny, in fact. And I think that'd be a blast to like come up with a way that each random snack that gets brought somehow <laughs> plays into something, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be that's a great uh, that'd be like a great little tradition to have at the start of any game. I know, I, I totally sure. agree. Um, mm-hmm. So I did have I had another question uh, about immersion, mm. uh, and this is kind of like a little bit of a question about how you got started with, you know, gameplay candles. Uh, before you started it, did you use a lot of candles in your gameplay, like in your sessions to set ambiance? Um, not. In my sessions, but I was a big fan of scented candles in general. Um, And then I discovered the next layer, uh, that being fantasy-inspired scented candles. And there are um, there are a plethora of companies out there doing doing good stuff in that realm, but none of them um, were like specific to D and D or specific to you know like the classes or the characters or settings you might find in a D&D adventure. Mm-hmm. And since that was already such a big part of my l- life, uh I just sort of naturally fell into it. That and I was spending way too much money on some really nice scented candles, so I thought <laughs> I thought I could do it cheaper. And it was good enough that people wanted them and were interested. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh yeah. mm. and so now uh well I'm just curious how often are you playing D&D nowadays? Uh, we have. I have a weekly session. I actually met with the group last night, um, and uh, I, I DM'd a one shot so our our DM could. Uh, so for, I should say I've I've been a forever DM except in the past I'd say six weeks I've I've now been a player character for the first time in like you know almost nine years. Congrats! So, wow. That's a yeah. It's well, a big us. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it. You gotta. You got to tell us about your character now. Like, oh, uh, man. this is like a big thing, you know. Well, as an as an engineer, obviously, I went with artificer, um, and so I am an armor artificer named Arturo Ironheart, and uh, I'm a 55 year old bitter man who has one leg amputated, but you can't tell because of my armor, and um, and yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I one of the things that really stood out to me as a player character instead of a DM is you don't know everything, which sounds like, uh, you know, readily obvious and apparent. But um, I made the mistake of assuming, uh, assuming details of the the perceived bad guys and, and just went in swinging. And then afterwards, my DM who's bless his heart. He's, he's DMing for the first time. And I pulled this. But I just go in, and it was a full murder hobo rampage. And it was like, you didn't even ask what they looked like. I, it was like policemen. I killed, like, the town guards. I thought they were bandits. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, it, 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 it is fun. It was the last day before they retired. They were excited well, one to of them, with their family. <laughs> no, one of them was the king's brother. So that sort of, of altered the entire arc of the campaign. But, uh, you know, if it's his first time DMing, I feel like it's appropriate to throw a little murder hoboism you know his yeah. way keep him on his toes exactly exactly yeah honestly i i feel like certain dams would uh 
kind of create that scenario on purpose just to see what the players <laughs> would do and you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's true although um you know once i get to know a group uh pretty well uh uh, I fear to give them the, enough rope to hang themselves with, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Depends yeah. on if you're a nice DM or or a normal DM. Uh, but being in kind of the fortunate situation you are, you know, a forever DM who is now being a player, mm. how does immersion change with the change in roles? So what are kind of in your opinion in a perfect world mm-hmm. what are the responsibilities for players to create immersion or what can they do versus what oh. does a dm do yeah that's a great question you know this sort of goes to my general philosophy on uh, what makes a successful game night i call it the game night trifecta there's there's role play there's combat and discovery and i think you actually your podcast mentioned this in a previous episode um one of your friends who's a writer, I think, it described four things. It was like combat, role play, puzzles, and discovery or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think that was Rob, I feel like that maybe? Was Rob. Yeah. Yeah, and that just really rang true with me, although um, I just keep it down to three. I would put puzzles and discovery because game night tetrahedron just doesn't have the same ring to it, you know? <laughs> but um, but uh, as a player, I think role play really falls um, falls on your shoulders, uh, not only yourself like an individual player, but all the players there. Obviously, the DM will touch each one of those things and probably controls combat and and discovery a bit more. But for the players, you know, that's that's four to six people around the table who's not the DM, and they would create the bulk of the role play, if you ask me. So in, in terms of immersion... Um, you know, uh, keeping that role play consistent and at least, you know, making the attempt to make, you know, those fun memories around the table would be would be something you can still control very easily. Yeah, I, I like that a lot because, like, I think if a DM doesn't really encourage their players to participate in the role play and even, like, prepare things beforehand, then mm-hmm. you're just, you're putting all of the immersion on yourself as a DM and that just doesn't work. You know, same as how mm-hmm. combats are very boring if, you know, if the players aren't bringing their own energy to it. Same for mm-hmm. the role playing. Like right now, uh and I and there's this is leading up to a question for you, Alex. But mm-hmm. uh right now <laughs> Justin and I we are we're working with Rob in fact on on a homebrew and I was and we're like as part of it we're like including DM tips and everything like that. Uh, for new DMs to kind of branch out in their style. And mm-hmm. uh, and I had a tip about flashbacks or like kind of mental visions that only are about one player, you know. And, mm. and I think I, I've seen those done a couple different ways. I've seen it where the DM just kind of describes it and describes everything. You know, it's like, oh, in the vision, you are doing, you're in a cafe and then suddenly a stranger comes up to you and they say this and you say that, you know, and it like they play mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And a cut scene. A cut scene, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and then I've seen the other way where it's it's a cut scene. However, they've either informed the player beforehand and the players like they essentially scripted it to some extent. Right. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And or they just. um or they make it a kind of cutscene or flashback or vision 
that's interactive with that player. And those are always mm-hmm. so much better, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think when, you're, um, when you are creating key moments in a story's development, uh, I'd be very hesitant to not include the players. Um, even if it's a little more work or a little less convenient, uh, no one signed up to be a DM because it's super easy and convenient, you know, you know, exactly. so, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that reminds me of this one, this one, uh, thing actually that happened around my table where, um, the, the group was heading into the final area of a dungeon that had a demon Lord in it. And each, and before we got into the, um, the final antechamber, uh, we decided to take a break but that was all planned because during the break, I sent out pre-written slacks from the demon to each individual character. And that was how I had a flashback. Or in this case, it was just like a mental um, telekinetic conversation, just one-on-one with the players where he tried to like tempt them to, you know, betray or, or whatnot and drew elements from their backstories and everything to (laughs) sort of uh, make, make things really difficult for them to choose. But um yeah, that that break lasted a little longer as I you know texted out the the back and forth, but uh, but yeah, that's so. Was good. If we can, I'd like to kind of narrow in on this this thing because mm-hmm. you know I think this is an excellent moment to actually kind of talk about a specific tool, a specific instance. So in this instance, um, I'm guessing you're you're DMing online. Uh, you have a Slack channel, is that right? Yeah, well, at the time we were using Slack uh, to, gotcha. to communicate, yeah. And then did you pre-write all of these texts or did they kind of come in the moment? How did, how did all that work out? So I pre-wrote the first contact from the Demon Lord to them, you know, with like spelling out the pros of uh, betraying your, your companions and, and receiving whatever tempting, you know, gift or treasure I was offering them. But, but over the course of that break... Um, they would text back, and that was them telekinetically or te- uh, telepathically <laughs> communicating, and so so that that was all generic or uh, that was all organic. It was not prescripted. Oh, that's excellent. See, mm-hmm. I think I like this one particularly because you know we are all attached to our phones by the hip or our computers, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as it were, mm-hmm. uh, and you have someone messaging you real time. Yeah, there's your response, and then there's a wait time. It, it feels very real. You know, have you guys seen, uh, or, or of course, you know, you probably have Deal or No Deal, right? Sure. Yep. Yep. So there's the guy up in the booth who's coming up with whatever offer. You know, they have they have a software yes. that comes up with exactly <laughs> what he needs to say. But there's a guy up there, because mm-hmm. you see him moving around. It's his job to sit up there, look like he's writing stuff down, picking up a phone and calling. Uh but it it is very immersive and it adds to the mystique of the game, mm-hmm. you know. Other than our computer spat out this number, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, so, and I know this is this is very myopic. It's very focused in on one particular instance. But I think this is a, a good kind of uh, use case for immersion. How might you kind of replicate this in an in-person setting? Oh well, I should say that that that. That previous example, we were all in person, but uh, oh wow! But you but, also um, okay, so yeah. gotcha. But we gotcha. have a yeah, we slack to communicate outside the game and whatnot. But in this instance, I used it in the game. But Smart. Um, excellent. Yeah. T- so 
so if I understand your question, you're asking like in person, how would you well, add well, to that? Well, I, I guess, yeah, like I guess you answered it. So, you know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, in a break, I don't want everyone looking at me, you know, texting them all. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm guessing, you know, everyone was going around eating some food, talking for a second. They'd get a ping, answer it real quick. Yeah. The phone back, it, right? I mean, it was obvious. Everyone got a ping at once, you know, when I sent out uh, okay. the, the first <laughs> the first round. Um, but uh, people, knew, pe- you know, when you have the right set of players, they also play the game. Um, and yeah, so they, okay. they weren't like uh, metagaming uh, outside, yes. you know. But, um, yeah, you know, it's funny. One of the main challenges is actually getting that immersive feeling when you're not meeting in person. I I much prefer the in-person games because it's easier, at least as a DM for, from my standpoint, to to bring immersive elements in. I always view immersion for, through the lens of the five senses. You work eight hours a day. You spend time with your family. And when you come home, you do work around the house. And it seems that you never have as much time as you would like to prepare for your D&D sessions. Does this sound like you? Wouldn't it be amazing to have endless material prepared for your D&D sessions anyways? That's where Roll and Play Press comes in. Roll and Play Press provides D&D 5e compatible material for any type of session. Running a one-shot? Check out their One-Shot Wonders book with over 100 one-shot ideas. Getting started with a new sci-fi campaign. Get their Game Master's Sci-Fi Toolkit to have your games much more prepared with much less effort. Why reinvent the wheel? Check out Roll and Play Press at rollandplaypress.com, see what they have to offer, and get a 10% discount when you buy something by using the code BETTERDM10, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-D-M-10, at checkout. Give yourself just a little bit extra help so that you can continue being the world's greatest dungeon master. And uh, it's really difficult to to bring that when everyone's sitting in you know different houses uh, uh, in front of a screen. So yeah, I don't know. It's 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 much easier, I think, if you have it in person. Yeah, I agree, and I think that opens up a you know an important question, which is like, which of the senses can you affect over the internet? You know. Uh, yeah like i think sound and that's that's one that i've always had a hard time with right because mm-hmm. like that's if you're let's say you're using roll 20 not everyone's good at like knowing how to like upload oh, yeah. some music and things like that um so i mean when you are i guess my question is how often do you find yourself running a session just online and what do you do in those cases man well uh, you got the wrong guest <laughs> tonight for that because I don't think I've ever run a session online because uh, my daughter was born in February of 2020, so I already had a reason to drop out of my weekly D and D games. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, but then, of course, COVID hit, and so like mm-hmm. all all the uh, all the aftermath of that still sure. uh, petered out. So uh, I I have partook in a few online sessions of D&D, but I never DM'd any of sure. them. Yeah. Sure. I, I guess maybe one question that can help all of us um, is, you know, immersion's really hard to kind of nail down and say, like, 
I mean, it's easy when you're like, oh, that, that, that was immersive. But maybe the question we should ask is what is not, quote unquote, immersion or immersive? Like oh, what like do we constantly see that people do that doesn't actually move the needle, mm-hmm. maybe? Well, you know, I'm I'm almost a little hesitant to bring this up because I don't want to deter anyone from trying uh, to mm. to bring immersion in whatever form that that would take. But um, if and this can become part of the the joke or the running gag in a game, but uh, you know, I, I, there are many DMs where there's one NPC voice, um, and oh, that you know, whether you're a dairy farmer or a librarian, it's the same voice. But I mean, <laughs> oh, like, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that you know, there's a there's a right campaign for that. But um, yes. if you're, you know, if if you're a, a DM and you don't want to do that, then um, it doesn't take, I don't think it takes a whole lot of practice or effort to like develop three unique voices. And that actually goes a long way for the investment. I think you get the most bang out of your buck when you're doing that. Cause as a DM, you will be <laughs> voicing different characters. And so you can just count on that as, as one of the skills you should probably develop. So uh, yeah, like that would break character uh or that would break immersion for some folks around a table but again i don't want to deter mm-hmm. i don't want to deter folks from trying yeah. so you know yeah. any effort is should be appreciated by the party yeah yeah, yeah. i agree um mm-hmm. I, and honestly kind of talking to that point uh justin uh, i think that i think an important aspect of immersion is uh what's it called i have the word in my head uh consistency thank you <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but because like well, I think it's consistency, but then also occasional spikes of effort. That's how I would put it. Because if you're consistently playing music at key moments, like or at the start of your session, those kind of things are going to help. If you're consistently mm-hmm. having some type of artwork, like a landscape, fantasy landscape, or even an image, uh, an art, artistic depiction of certain NPCs, then that's going to build in, you know that running dialogue of like, Hey, this is a real world that we need to pretend that we're in, you know, uh, mm-hmm. versus like doing that maybe in the first session or every like five sessions or whatever. Then it's like, mm-hmm. it's going to be easy to get out of that because you're not having the kind of the themes, the art, the, uh, the whole vibe, you know, really hitting, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's a that's a great point, Tanner, uh, and it reminds me of um, you know another one of the senses you can build themes around is, is sound uh, around different characters or different settings using the same um, fantasy music or whatnot. So, so that that gets it's another thing that gets associated specifically with that person. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So naturally. Um, being a DM is, is hard, is tough, and, you know, one of our missions is to help make it easier. Uh, so, open conversation, everyone. Um, what top-of-the-line tools do you know of that would be just the tops in immersion? And then co- contrast that with what are some cheap or free tools that help immersion a ton? Hmm. Uh, so, full spectrum there. Hmm. Um. Well, I think that uh, so in terms of free, um, you, lots of uh, people can or DMs should be able to look around their house and you can find a prop 
just of whatever and bringing a prop to the table and letting you know the players actually touch and hold and everyone seeing the exact same thing i think that goes a long way especially around puzzles actually so so uh you know you, you might consider um just like uh props that are easily found to be one of those free things that's uh that's out and about helps with the merge can we can we maybe think of like uh, like a quick example maybe a scenario or something that actually happened um again just to kind of make it visual for the audience in a way yeah um well in one of my adventures recently uh they came upon a magically locked box and i happened to have a a metal box that my wife uh stores some jewelry in or whatnot and so i just described how it was magically shimmering and they couldn't open it uh very easily and so they were passing around the box and thinking about different ways to to get it open but you know still had a tactile thing to hold so i think that was uh that was very beneficial i like that um in one of the campaigns i was in uh that my cousin was running for the big main end boss baddie he had (laughs) it's silly but i remember it very well uh he had a giant not a giant but on the board it was giant it was a squeezy toy for like a child that looked like an octopus and Mm. and it was like it was like a sea god kind of thing so it worked perfectly (laughs) and he he basically created it around this toy because he's like this is what i got and Mm. and it it stuck in my head you know until this moment Mm -hmm. i was like oh this is sick even if it's a cartoonish Mm. thing it didn't look really threatening at all but just the size compared to our little minis, you know, I, I thought it was great. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Like a Cthulhu chew toy. It was like, <laughs> it, it, it basically looked like the cutest little octopus. But then you're like, could you imagine if the sizes were exactly like that? That'd be terrifying. <laughs> no matter how cute yeah, and that, smiley it looks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the best miniatures are the improvised ones for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. And honestly, that kind of like brings up a whole can of worms about minis, like whether or not they are immersive or if they're a crutch or a scapegoat. Uh, and if, if they are immersive, how do you do them right? Um, mm-hmm. What do you guys think? I mean, to my, to my earlier point uh, about just being consistent, I think minis are important for the consistency aspect, mm-hmm. you know, Cause it, because you have a specific player or or character rather and being able to see them on their that board or in front of you it's just a constant reminder that it's like hey it's not me just operating some little blip that happens to have numbers attached uh, i'm pretty like it's this character that i've built so i think it's mm-hmm. i don't think it's as big as some people think because some people are like oh it's so expensive or anything <laughs> but it's like you can get some generic ones and mm-hmm. like of various types and maybe you end up using the same ones for like various ca- the same different characters over the years but it's still better than just having like a little pawn or something you know mm-hmm. in my opinion so i i was a theater of the mind purist for many years and i i looked up the the language to paint as clear a picture for the party as possible and you know just was able to use my words to describe the battlefield and the layout uh, and then a few years ago, we introduced Lego miniatures on a, a very generic, you know, grid map, and it was better. It it, it was 
for that consistency reason you mentioned, Tanner, it was so much clearer to everybody about the layout of the battlefield. And you can still use all that descriptive language and theater of the mind um, descriptions. So uh, I'm a convert. I, I do believe <laughs> I do believe that that minis are um, are a good thing for the game. Yeah. Yeah. And and even what you said there about, you know, theater of the mind and making sure your language and your words were impactful. I don't want to discount that at all, because I I think some people Mm -hmm. rely too much on the props and the minis and and things like that. And they don't uh, prepare their wording and their vocabulary as much as they could. And and Mm -hmm. that is like some good language, like a nice paragraph written about a setting or to describe a new character, or to describe a key moment. That that can mm-hmm. do so much. Now, if you tie that in with, like, an image that you project on a screen and with their minis being present and stuff, you know, that can only build on it. But I think the mm-hmm. cheapest and most effective way you can bring them in is just preparing what you're going to say ahead of time, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, when I'm preparing a session, I do... Um, I I put the font in italics and and whatever's in italics is something that I will read you know animatedly um, mm-hmm. to the group but but it's all pre written and pre scripted for those key moments like you said huge impact yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I definitely do the same thing and it it also is nice um, when you do that you can couple it with those that music from key moments mm-hmm. uh, kind of like we said um, I I think Tanner you're you know what you said is probably the 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 underscore of tonight's episode just whatever you do if you do it consistently and maybe build on it to to what you feel you can do uh, but again consistency your players are going to come to appreciate that and it'll help them kind of get in that role playing mode um, I think we're just about out of time so let's leave the listener with one thing that they can try each of us so think of one thing that you'd recommend them trying or, or doing this week to work on immersing their players and themselves. Um, I, I'll go to give Alex some time to think. Uh, but <laughs> um, what I would say is kind of make, uh, like write out what your ideal setup would be. And I'm not saying like ideal, like, oh, Matt Mercer, <laughs> you know, or Dimension 20 <laughs> kind of setup. I'm saying like, what would your realistic yet ideal setup be? And then from there, kind of work backwards. Be like, okay, what could I do week to week that isn't too much effort, you know, but can still give the the punch that I'm looking for? And it's better to do that versus kind of working from the bottom up because I think that you'll <laughs> be able to be more creative that way and look at your resources more realistically, but also creatively. Excellent. Nice. And then uh, Alex... I'll go, and then you can finish up, and then also tell people how to find you, support you, and see what you're up to after you respond. Um, But I would say, DM, make sure you put yourself on the sacrificial chopping block. Uh, If anyone's going to be embarrassed, it better be you, uh, because you're going to get your players buy-in by doing those funny voices or trying that new thing or putting a puzzle out there that might not make sense. Uh, if if you kind of sacrifice yourself, your players won't feel so self-conscious, and they'll buy into the collective experience. In my in in my opinion. Yeah, I dig that. That's good advice. 
Um, I have I have two for you. Um, Perfect. Perfect. So so I would say just uh, this week, sometime before your your game night, go out and buy a um, buy a bag of almonds and some olive oil and some spices, and uh, go ahead and, and find a recipe for spice nuts and call it something pertinent to your game and your game setting that that week. It is very straightforward and will create positive memories uh, and immersion at your game table. Um, the, the next thing I'd recommend would be to go ahead and visit GameplayCandles.com and yes. purchase one of our fantastic D&D-inspired scented candles. Um, we have five scents at the moment that are um, specific to different environments and different classes that, uh, that go along with D&D, and we have many, many more scents on the horizon that will be coming out in different quarters throughout 2023. So, uh, if, yeah, if, if not that, then at least check us out at uh, Instagram and TikTok at Gameplay Candles. And, uh, and we'd love that support. And, and by the way, all your listeners, if, if they use Better DM, all capitals, no spaces, if they use Better DM at, uh, as a code during checkout at our website, they'll get a 15% discount on all of our products. You're golden. Love that. <laughs> mm. also, yes. also, for you listeners, I'm looking at the website right now, and one, the website's very chic. I love the fire kind of thing. <laughs> Thank you. The banner, that's wonderful touch. Uh, mm. Second, I think that the candles, they're very nice. Uh, I think that there's, uh, I don't know, maybe a few years ago, uh, fantasy and being nerds was seen as kind of gaudy in certain ways, but I feel mm-hmm. like these are very chic, <laughs> and I love mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. We we appreciate that. We're going for the chic premium look, and yes. uh, you will make that impact if you light one of these up on your game table. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Alex. Uh, also, Tanner, Alex did send us some samples, so you and I got to get together and, and light some of those up. What? Um, That's amazing. Yes, he sent us <laughs> exactly. the, the, the five candle sample. So, sure. Uh, I, I think... Uh, the Elven Forest, gosh, I, f- I forget the name, but the Elven yep. Forest one was probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, thank you again for joining us, Alex. Uh, in conclusion, listener, you got to immerse your players. And to do that, you got to try everything we say. Listen to our podcast. Go to DungeonCandles.com. I-, I hope I said that right. GameplayCandles.com. GameplayCandles. Gameplay. Yeah. Gosh, I should have written that out. <laughs> Go to GameplayCandles.com. Um, either way, if you try these things... You're going to be a better DM. We're going to be back next week with another amazing episode. Thanks again, Alex. Thank Uh, you. Listener, until next week, let's go ahead and roll initiative. Do you love these podcast episodes but aren't always able to listen to them? Do you learn better reading information rather than listening to it? Here's what you can do. Go to sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get tips and tricks sent directly to your inbox in written format that you can read and reference whenever you want. You'll get tips that we don't share on the podcast and bonus techniques that, frankly, no one has ever heard before. Again, sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter and uh, get those free tips and techniques right to your inbox every week.